Before we start today's episode, I just want you to know that Your Minimalish Holidays is here. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Your Minimalish Holidays is a 30-day guided journal that I wrote and created to help you slow down and get intentional during a season that can typically be filled with a lot of rush and a lot of filling up our calendars and emptying our wallets on a bunch of stuff. So it includes 30 days of short essays that are paired with reflection questions to help you define what an intentional holiday season looks like for you. If you have typically felt rushed or stressed through holiday seasons of the past, I made this for you and you can grab it at the link in the show notes. You can also go to DesireAndries.com slash Your Minimalish Holidays, or you can search Your Minimalish Holidays on Amazon. You're listening to Minimalish, a podcast where we talk about simplifying our stuff, our lives, our motherhood, all in a realistic way so that we can make room for what matters. We're not here for perfectly tidy homes or seeing how much we can possibly declutter. We're here for living with less, realistically. It's going to look different for all of us, but we're not really focused on how our version of minimalism looks anyways. We're focused on how it feels. I'm your host, Desiree. I'm a mom to two and on my own journey of living with a little less clutter so I can have more space for an intentional life. I'm no expert, and I like to think of this as a corner of the internet where we're learning and growing together. So let's walk towards a more simple and intentional life. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. In today's episode, we are revisiting a topic that we spent some time on a few months ago. Back in July, we had a couple of episodes where we talked specifically about unplugging more, and we also talked about decluttering the way that we use our phones, specifically decluttering the content we're consuming on our phones, because all of the influx of information can become quite overwhelming, whether we're talking about social media or just like reading the news or anything in between. Today, we're going to come back to this topic but we're going to focus heavily on a deep reason why we should put down our phones more often, our relationships. It's hard to connect with people in front of us if we're not looking them in the eyes very often, if we're constantly distracted by that bright little screen that we take with us everywhere we go. About a year ago, I actually discovered something called RO on another podcast I was listening to, and I've mentioned it here on the podcast before, but today, I get to have the co-founder, Joey Odom, on the show to talk about his why behind changing his relationship with his phone. I just really love the heart behind why Joey created RO, and I enjoy listening to his podcast, the RO podcast, and all that he's about with just intentionally connecting with the people in front of us. This episode is just so full of good stuff about being intentional and connecting with the people in front of us and also, of course, practical tips for putting down our phones. When we talk about our phones, I think it can feel a little guilt-fueled, and I really want us to put those feelings of guilt and shame aside. Joey even talks about that in today's episode. Just listen to this conversation. Don't think too much about your current habits or about how bad you are with this while you listen. Don't put up a defense because sometimes we get defensive about this topic as well. As you hear this research and the reasons that Joey shares, just listen and after the episode, start to sift through those feelings that you might have. If you felt the nudge to change the amount of time that you're looking at your phone, 
I hope this episode gives you both inspiration and some tools to do so. So let me tell you a little bit more about our guest today and then we'll dive in. Joey Odom is the co-founder of RL, which is a disruptive technology company that uses technology to help us put down our phones and be fully present in the moment with the people who matter most. His own experience with technology as a husband and a dad led Joey to help create RO alongside his co-founder, Heath Wilson. So let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Joey. All right, Joey, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Um, what we're going to talk about today and RO, your company, has been a big game changer for my family. And I'm, I'm just really excited to to just hear the stories behind it and hear your encouragement to families. But before we get there, could you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and thank you for having me on. We were we were talking. I'm, I'm amazed by your longevity in the podcast game. And uh, thank you for continuing to, to preach a great message. Um, so yeah, my name is Joey Odom. I, um, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. My wife, Krista, and I have been married for 19 years. We have a 15-year-old son and a 13 year old daughter. And, um, and we're on a mission right now as you know, with RO and in what we do, I was in commercial real estate for 15 years and then got a call, got a text actually from a guy named Heath Wilson who said, Hey, I have an idea. And it was, it was all around, um, all around our phones. It was all about the relationships we have with our phones and really more about the relationship that we have with our phones, but the, but the impact that, those relationships with our phones we're having on our most important relationships. So, you know, I, I said, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's walk away from established career. Let's move, move to Tennessee and, and see what we can do here to help a bunch of families navigate this struggle that we're all feeling, you know, screen, screen time and screens of, um, and our friends at screen sanity say this, they say they've over that topic has overtaken drug, sex, and alcohol is the biggest issues in families today. And we were feeling it. And we wanted to uh, to do something about it for ourselves, for our families. And then we knew if we could do something about it for our families, we thought a lot of other people, a lot of other families could be held by it as well. Yeah. And it's so true that this this topic is is huge right now. And it's yeah. because so many of us are struggling with it. And it sounds like, you know, for you, you have older kids too. So I'm sure this is just a big impact for your whole family. Um, I'm right now raising little kids. So yeah. it just feels like, okay, what can we do now that can make it easier, <laughs> easier, <Yeah>. maybe <laughs> as right. we, as we come along. But I've been talking about this topic on the show uh, a little bit over the past month or two. And I've realized that it's, it is, it's huge. It's not just me who's feeling it. It's, it's everyone. I hear conversations. I overhear conversations about it in coffee shops. It's like, it's everywhere. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you know that <laughs> since it's your work. So I want to hear a little bit more of the story behind RO. Um, yeah. What was the the deep why behind it? And um, just even if yeah. there was like a why in your personal life or, or what did that look like? And yeah. if you want to talk about what RO is as well. Sure. Um, well, I'll take you back about 10 years. So my son, Harrison, who's now 15, when he was five years old, he was playing his first season of soccer. And for anybody that's been to five-year-old soccer games, they're not the most fun and interesting things to to watch. Um, it's not it's not like watching like the women's national team and uh, playing in the World Cup right now. So it's um and so we were out just like we had on many Saturdays on on the sidelines watching the game, 
And Harrison happened to be the last player on the team who hasn't scored a goal. So everybody had scored a goal except for Harrison on the team. And so, but this, you know, magical moment arises on this Saturday. And, you know, I kind of think like it, I almost think of the memory in slow motion, but it's Harrison, the soccer ball, the goal, he rears back his leg, he kicks with all of his might and it goes end over end into the back of the net. And so everybody goes wild on the sidelines because, you know, this is the last kid to score a goal on the team. His coach lifts him up and everybody's going crazy. And then what does a five-year-old boy do when he scores his first soccer goal? He looks at dad. So he turns to look at me, to lock eyes, this beautiful moment of locking eyes together and him seeing the pride on my face, except I didn't see it. I missed all of it because I was looking down at my phone and my wife, I think I still have a, a bruise on my rib from my wife's elbow telling me, you just missed it. She described the whole scene to me. And so that was a moment. He promises me he doesn't remember that. So I don't think I have a therapy bill in the future for that. But <laughs> but he that was a moment for me, Desiree, where I realized that something was just wrong here. Something, if, if you were to ask me what the most important things were in my life, I'd name, you know, three things. And that's Kristen, Harrison, and Gianna, my wife, my kids. And but but my actions didn't reflect that in the moment. And so something something was wrong. And and I would love to say that I took that and then that day forward, I was great, but I wasn't. And I missed a story time. You know, you miss a story time and then you miss other things. And not only that, you just miss. I think I think we're conditioned and I found myself growing conditioned to flee the mundane, to flee boredom. Um, and as a result, I was missing out on very important moments that can arise in the mundane. So when I got this text from Heath, I had no idea Heath had sold his business. Heath had sold his business fairly recently, but I had no idea that he was struggling with the same thing. And he, he said at the time, he said that I will spend as much money as I need to, to solve this for our families. He said, because I want to be better for my family and I want my family to be better. And what we've discovered, what we've heard in all of this is the same story from families after families. And it doesn't matter really where you're on the continuum. It's a different set of problems at each at each point in, in adolescence and childhood. So when your kids are very young, it's establishing those, you know, little things from an infant, establishing eye contact, for example. And uh, we know how important that is. And then when they're young, not missing those moments. And then as they get older in teenage years, what we really find with parents is this, in a way, just kind of this fear, like, what the heck do I do? I don't have any plan. How do I give this to them? All their friends in class are getting phones, but am I ready? I don't know. How do I manage this? And so we've approached the the issue a little bit more holistically. Um, we're, we're not a, we don't have a bunch of tips and tricks on app restrictions and all that kind of stuff. We say, let's help you develop a healthy relationship with your phone. And by the way, it must, must, must begin with how we as parents are modeling our relationship with our phone. So Desiree, the, the relationship we currently have with our phone is that we have our phones with us all the time, that they belong in our pockets, that their their home is our pockets. And that's, that's the improper relationship. That's what we're really challenging. 91% of us don't have to move our feet to reach our phones. So don't have to move our feet. They're always with us. We have places for everything else in our lives, for our cars and our silverware and all that stuff. But the de facto place for our phones is, is, is in our pocket. And when we do that, when we have that, they, it is going to distract us from whatever we want to at that moment. That They're designed for that. 
and I'll and I'll caveat all this by saying, I'll caveat all this by saying we love our phones, and I'm not going to get rid of my phone. I have an iPhone. I'm not going to go to a flip phone. There are many things that it does for this. And and like one of our friends said once, they said we he thinks that phones have been additive in every area of our life except for relationships. And so the opportunity we have, so one acknowledgement for anybody listening is, and this is an encouragement, this is an encouragement, by the way, this entire message, there's a lot at stake and we're going to talk about that, but this entire message is an encouraging message that we can do something about it. We're 16 years into the iPhone. It, it, it just sat its 16th birthday. We're still learning it and we're going to adjust. We're going to adapt. We are going to form the right relationship where we can harness the good and we can eliminate the bad, and that's good for us, and it'll be good for our kids. And then, and then the last thing I'll say as a preface here is, for anybody listening, I would I would encourage people to remove guilt from this. I would encourage moms, particularly, to not feel guilt or inadequacy. We we hear those stories a lot. Is like I don't know what I'm doing. Am I doing this right? You're doing fine. The fact that you're listening to this podcast says you're doing fine. And so remove that remove the I shoulds and just look at this as a great opportunity that we have in front of us to do something that will make a huge impact on the relationships around us. Yeah, I, I love all of that. And I love the idea of removing the guilt because at least for me, when I'm feeling guilty feelings, what do I want to do? I want to escape from those feelings and I want to check out on my phone. And so maybe that's not the healthy way to deal with those feelings, but also those feelings aren't really the best motivator. So I I love that you mentioned that. And your story is one that resonates with me because I'm in that parent of parent that I'm in that season of parenthood right now with a five-year-old about to start soccer, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Don't miss it. Don't miss it. (laughs) It's going to be exciting, but, um, but yeah, so I, I just love your story and I love all that you're doing. Can you give a quick rundown on, the the ro yeah <laughs> just sure. talk about what that is i've actually mentioned it on the podcast probably five times but oh, yeah. just in case <laughs> just in case someone's missed it yeah well ro is ro is a is a platform that combines a physical place for your phone with an app that gamifies the experience of being away from your phone so that's that's the that's the little the simple one liner on it so back to the the notion of we have to find a, a home for our phones that's not our pockets and that's easy enough to say. Everybody, I bet, I'd be willing to bet $100 that everybody listening here either has a drawer or a shoebox at their disposal. And I would also bet that they are not using that as the home for their phones. So the, the, so the gap in the market is not necessarily we need a place for our phones. We all have that at our disposal. The problem is forming that environment and that system around consistently being able to put it in there. We've heard people say, oh yeah, we had for, we used a drawer for a while, then that kind of fell off. So that's where the system comes in is the app really is, and it's, you know, it's, there's a little bit of irony there. We understand is that we're, we're using the tools on our phone to help us use our phone a little bit less, but it makes perfect sense too. So the RO app is all designed around forming a habit where you will consistently put your phone down. So it will send you reminders saying, hey, you have you hit your time goal today. It, it provides the game of, gamified experience of just like closing a fitness ring on Apple Fitness, the same thing. You have your time goal, you can close your ring there. Or you can build up your streaks. You can see a streak. Streaks are a major motivator. And everybody, it's a little bit different for everyone. My wife, for example, 
her main motivator is making sure she maintains a streak of daily times with, with, with time away from her phone. Others, it could be the competitive element. You have your, your home group where you can compete with people in your home. So that sort of thing. And then those reminders that it sends you are pretty powerful. Another thing we hear from a lot of parents is I, I feel like I'm nagging so much, whether it's you're nagging your spouse or you're nagging your kids. Aro tries to alleviate some of that pressure. And for example, whenever you put your phone in, in RO, I know your husband, Nick, he'll get a notification that says Desiree just put her phone in RO. So it's this subtle invitation of, Hey, come, come join me. So it's not, it's not, we like to think again, this is a very positive message that we, that we have here. It's RO. If it were personified, it would be saying that it would just be saying, it would say to you like, Hey, Desiree, can I hold your phone for a minute? Hey, oh, I see you and Nick are going to sit down for dinner. Can I hold your phone for a few minutes? It's just that subtle invitation. And so the app experience around that really is what it works towards. And this is all, by the way, designed around the science of habit formation. So James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, talks about the habit loop, which begins with a cue, which initiates a craving, which leads to a response and crescendos in a reward. So the RO itself, the cue piece of it is the visual cue, the box. It's, and by the way, you can attest to it. It's beautiful. It's a home decor piece. We had a member tell us the other day, it's like a piece of art, which I love that. It's my favorite description so far. It's this thing that you're proud of in your home because you're not going to, I bet my suspicion Desiree is you don't put out a lot of ugly things in your home. No. Is that right? (laughs) Yes, that's right. (laughs) So you want beautiful things in your home. So this is, so that's a cue, the visual cue. And that also serves as a reminder of who you aspire to be as a family. RO in your home reminds you that we are a present family. We are, we spend time away from our phone. So that's who you are. So it represents that's a physical representation of that. And then the other, the other um, cue is through the app, sending you reminders, spend some time away from your phone, which leads you through a craving of repeating the action of putting your phone down, leads to the response of putting it down. And then the reward side of it is the final piece. And that comes through the app where you can, when you take your phone out and you see you've spent 34 minutes away playing with your child, you, you almost, again, like a fitness app, tap the activity that you've done. So you kind of tag it so you can see that aggregate over, aggregate over time. And the number one feeling we hear from people again and again, when they've spent time away from their phone, they describe a feeling of pride. I am proud of myself for spending time away from my phone, which in a way you could look at that and be like, wow, that's, you know, that's, that didn't, that didn't seem like much, but I think we should acknowledge that that's no small feat. That's no small feat to put away your phone. If 91% of us always have our phones, you're in the 9%. You are in a very small category of people who have spent time away from their phone. So there are two acknowledgements as well. And this goes back to the alleviating guilt. One of them is it's hard to do. Yes, that sounds silly. If I were to describe, if we describe this to my parents, you know, my parents, you know, 30 years ago, they'd be like, to be away from a phone. No, it's hard. So let's acknowledge it's difficult. Let's acknowledge we need to take extreme measures to do this because it's one of the most important things we can do for ourselves, for our relationships, for our families. And then let's go ahead and pat ourselves on the back when we actually do something that's difficult. Because when you feel good, that's why the habit loop is so important. When you feel good, when you feel rewarded, like you've done something good, you're you're much more likely to repeat it, which again 
is the antithesis of guilt. If you feel guilty about something, you'll actually begin to identify yourself as a person who does things that are incorrect. And so then you'll start acting like that person. So you'll stop doing the important things in your life. But if you view yourself celebrating those little wins, you're going to go repeat that again. At this time of year, my mind is on simplifying the things that I can. And one of those things that always comes to mind is food. Factor is one way to really simplify this part of my life during busy seasons. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and it can help you fuel up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. If you are feeling too busy this fall to cook, but you want to make sure you're still eating well, with Factor, you get to skip extra trip to the grocery store, the chopping, the prepping, the cleaning up, all of it, (laughs) all while getting the flavor and nutritional quality that you need. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are ready in just two minutes. You can choose from 35 plus weekly flavor packed meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. And they even have fall flavors. Factor has limited time only hearty comforting meals featuring seasonal veggies like cranberry, pecan, chicken, and apple Dijon pork chops. Factor also has options like calorie smart meals, protein plus meals. This October, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Head to factormeals.com slash minimalish50 and use code minimalish50 to get 50% off. That's code minimalish50 at factormeals.com slash minimalish50 to get 50% off. I, I love the notifications that you talk about that when I see that my husband, you know, put his phone in RO or whatever he sees the notification that I do. And I love that I can see it even when I'm not home, because I know if I'm not home, if I'm running errands, it just even gives me a feeling of connection at home that okay, he, he's putting his phone away and being with our kids. Like, I know he's a great dad and I know he's going to be with our kids anyways, but it just gives that. And I know that he feels the same way when, when I do that. And when he sees the notification, he's at work. Sometimes he'll be like, Hey, great job. He'll text me like, great job spending some time away from your Uh, phone. And another thing I, I talked about this, uh, with the group, we were doing a, a little challenge of, decluttering our phones and also Mm. decluttering the time that we're on our phones. And I told them that I, I forget about my phone for a lot of the day because I'm kind of scatterbrained and I just like lose (laughs) it, but it doesn't feel the same when I intentionally decide Mm. to put my phone down. And so even though, even if, if you set a goal to be away from your phone for 30 minutes or two hours or whatever, that doesn't mean that the rest of the day you're on your phone. It's just taking that intentional step that makes a real big difference of just saying, okay, well this, if I'm putting my phone away right now, then I am thinking about and doing other things to connect with the people around me. And that's That's, what I love about it. I I love that. And it, and it does, it changes, it changes the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere when you've done something like that. I mean, you, you could, interestingly, science is telling us that the presence of our phone equals interaction with our phone, just it being there, which is an interesting thing. So if you and I were at coffee and and my phone were out on the table, that would equal usage of my phone because I'm anticipating something from my phone. Just seeing it reminds me that some of a world that's happening on there. And, and this is even more fascinating is our notifications 
we can silence those, but that actually can work counterproductively. This is from a researcher by the name of Dr. Maxie Heitmeyer at the London School of Economics. Because when our phone is on silent, we're silenced our notifications, we don't know what's happening. At least when I have notifications, I know something's happened. And so I look at it. So we actually will check our phones more with our silent, with our notifications silenced because we're wondering, well, what do you think? What, do, what if I did get a text? What if I did get a call? And so you're constantly checking to see what you're missing. And that's when it's present with you. And so that can work counterproductively because our usage of our phones and this to me is maybe one of the biggest, this, this stat is maybe one of the biggest, the biggest eye popping moments for us is that our cell phone usage is self-initiated 89% of the time. So it's only those, it's the notifications really only account for 11% of our usage. So it's usually me sitting here thinking like, oh, I wonder who leads the National League in batting average in baseball right now or something dumb like that. Or, oh, what's the temperature going to be on Saturday or something. So I, I pick it up and that's me. That's 89% of the time. So when we eliminate that away from us, we actually, when we get it away from us, that's the only way, again, this is back to Dr. Ma Dr. Maxie Heitmeyer. That's the only way for us to reduce our screen usage is for it to be physically away from our bodies and out of our line of sight, because we're the ones who are initiating the behavior all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I could say so many things about just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all the benefits that I see from it. And the fact that whenever in our family, it's pretty much the only phone charger that we use. So it also charges your phone while it's yeah. in there. And, and so even if we're not like, oh, okay, I'm going to use the RO to put it away, we plug it in there to charge it. Yes. And then closing it <laughs> and having to walk back over there whenever it's charged, it often makes it so that we're spending more time away from our phones just because we put it in there to charge, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's been really great for us in a lot of ways. Um, I want to talk a little bit about just the reason behind this. And you mm -hmm. kind of mentioned how this is, this is so important that we start to develop a different relationship with our phone and different habits with our phones. So can you talk about maybe just some of the statistics? I, I know yeah. you mentioned 91% of people have their phone with them always. Um, but just why yeah. this is such a problem? Why do we all feel it as a problem? Yeah. And kind of why we should care enough to do something about this? Yeah. This is what it this is what it hinges on, and you can take a bunch of a bunch of qualitative stories of you know missing Harrison's first soccer goal, or I bet, and this is I thought this was only me when when Harrison once again the, the uh, when he was young we were doing story time and I'm my arm is around him, and I'm but I'm holding my phone out, checking a group text while we're reading a book, and this just is just embarrassing. So this is you know, ten ten twelve years ago. And as innocently as he could, at one point he goes, hey, dad, this is my favorite story. This is my favorite page. Let's do this page together. Then you can look at your phone. And it was a, you know, that's still as a gut punch to think back on that old, that old memory. But we've heard this from a lot of parents that their two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, mommy put down your phone, daddy put down your phone. And they're, they're continuing to tell us. And so the thing that we've observed is that our kids notice our kids notice when we're fully present with them. They also notice when we're fully distant from them, when we're there physically, but we're not really with them. And what's cool about kids, especially young kids, is that they have an innate sense of value from the beginning. They actually believe that they deserve our attention. That's why they say it to us. The, the, the reason they say 
pay attention, put down your phone because they believe one, they like us. That's good. But two, they believe they deserve our attention. They have this innate sense of value and they've not yet been conditioned to believe that our phones are more important than they are. So where we really need to start getting concerned is when they stop asking us to put down our phones, when they've grown accustomed to it, when they've grown accustomed to that behavior, or, and this is even much more catastrophically, is when they start believing that their value is less than our phones. That's not okay, Desiree. That's, I mean, that, that gets me fired up thinking about it. That's not okay. And I'm not saying that in any self-righteous way. I'm not saying that in any kind of preaching way. I'm saying it as a person who conditioned my kids to believe that for a long time. And so we have this amazing opportunity, amazing opportunity. This was get this gets, gets me as excited as, as I can think. We have this amazing opportunity to begin to reverse that narrative. We we and we need to actually do it. We need to be actually a little bit more overt with this. When my kids, I did it, I picked my daughter from volleyball last night. When she got in the car, I said, Hey, honey, I'm gonna put my phone in the glove box so we can talk. I made that statement to her so that she knows that she's the most important thing. Because when we do that, there's this really powerful message that we tell to the people around us. We say, there are 8 billion people on this planet who could theoretically reach me on this phone if they had my phone number. And right now you're more important than every single one of those people. What does that do for a child's confidence? What does that do for, for them when they then, let's say you do that for a five-year-old, 10-year-old, and then when they go encounter something in the real world, when, when they get on Instagram, when they're 15 and they start comparing themselves and a, and a teenage girl does the, you know, the body comparison with, with an airbrushed model that you're, that girl crumbles if she doesn't have a foundational sense of value. But if she's been raised to know that she is loved and she's beloved and she is beautiful, she knows all those things and her beauty comes from within, then she can withstand that and be like, yeah, that's an airbrushed model. That I'm that you, you stop comparing yourself to that, but it only comes with that foundational sense of value. And Desiree, I'm not over-dramatizing this. I think you know that. Like, I'm not over-dramatizing this. We have this amazing opportunity to do this with our kids every single day. And that's with our kids. And then we have the opportunity to do that with our spouses. So the, the Gottman Institute released a study recently, and it said that successful couples who remain married turn towards their partner's bids for emotional connection 86% of the time. Where couples who are not successful, couples who do get divorced, they only turn towards their partner's bids for emotional connection 33% of the time. We are physically and emotionally unable to turn towards our partner's bids for emotional connection if we're holding our phone, if we're looking down at our phone. My wife could say something, and maybe it's not, you know, for for guys, maybe we need a little bit more than subtlety, but my wife could say to me, hey, when was the last time we went on a date night? Or something maybe even more subtle than that. What she's saying really there is, please take me out on a date. Please, I need to connect. She's begging me, but it's subtle. Or if she's or if she said, oh, you know, the, the Wilsons went out, went to a great restaurant on a date night last week. That's even more subtle. She's not saying, hey, you know, I heard there's a, you know, a, a good new, there's, there's more food. There's a, or there's a good restaurant to go eat at. What she's saying is, please take me out on a date. And if I am not attentive to that, if I'm not turning towards that, if my heart is not ready to turn emotionally towards that, then I'm going to miss it. And then what's she going to do? She's going to shut down a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So our marriages depend on this as well. And we are physically unable to do those things. I want to go back to our kids real quick and two things. One of them is 
we live as if we have unlimited time. And I know this, this is not a new message. Everybody knows this. But what we don't know is the, the truly limited time. We have 90% of the time we'll ever spend with our kids occurs by the time they're 18 years old. 90% of the time. So that means Harrison, my son, he's 15 years old. I have three years left until 90% of that time is gone. So why on earth would I do anything other than put down my phone and look in his eyes? He and I were so excited tonight. We're going to go watch the, the season finale of Stranger Things. We've been watching that together. We're so excited. We've been talking about it all week. And I could absolutely ruin that moment. I could crush that moment just by having my phone with me on the couch. I could crush that moment. I could, he could just, and it could just be like another passing moment or it could be freaking epic. And he and I, you know, get scared together and laugh together and eat pizza together and do all that stuff. That's a, that's a mundane. We're talking about a TV show, but it's not the TV show. It's the shared moment. It's the shared experience, shared connection. So 90% of that time, by the time they're 18 and, or 75% by the time they're 12 years old, that's, that's a lot. That that's a very, very young age. And more for, and that's our relationship with them. But let's think about their futures. Let's think about the kids' futures. And, and we have kids who are very accustomed to being on TikTok. And I'm not saying my kids, this generation of kids is very accustomed to being on, accustomed to being on TikTok and Instagram. And if we don't do something for them, if we don't model it for them first, so that when they get a phone, it's normal for them to spend time away from it. If we don't teach them that there's a life and a world outside of our phones, if we don't do something, this will be the first generation of kids who will die with more of other people's memories from Instagram and TikTok than memories they create on their own. And that's not okay with me. I want my kids to create their own memories. I want them to go forge their own paths. I want them to experience their own lives. I want to have them experiences with me. I want them to be great partners and great, be great husbands and wives whenever that's time for that. And it really does begin now. And every little thing is significant. Every little moment, and again, I'll say it again, I'll keep saying it, is that this is the most hopeful message we have as parents and as spouses. The most hopeful. It's the lowest hanging fruit, and it's the most impactful thing we can do by putting our phones down. I don't care. I, I, I truly, Desiree, I mean this. I don't care if somebody joins RO. I really don't. I do care that you hear this message. I do care that you do something about it. I do care that you understand your agency in the matter. That you can do something about it tonight. And I hope everybody listening does exactly that. That tonight, if they're with somebody else, they say to them, I'm going to put my phone away so I can be present with you. Just make that statement. It may feel a little bit cheesy. It may feel a little bit, a little, little bit uncomfortable. But you're gonna, what you're going to do is bestow value on that person. And they're going to know they're valuable. And it's going to change the atmosphere. It's going to change the environment. And it could actually change your relationship. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to preach. I didn't know I was going to preach this morning, Desiree. I, I'm glad that you did. And you, I'm sure, will continue to through our conversation. Because <laughs> your passion about this, I mean... It's it's so inspiring to just hear your stories and to hear you as a parent of older kids that you are towards that time where, the, of course, we still spend time with our kids, right? But yeah. the bulk of that time where they are in your home and, and with you often is coming to a close. And so to hear that and whether someone's listening that's in that same season or with younger kids or older kids, it what matters, I think, is just for us to kind of question. And I think, I think we all know this, that our yeah. relationships are more important than our phones, right? We, we care about that more. And it's just a matter of aligning our actions to that. And like you said, it is difficult. It's hard to do, yes. but it's so important and it matters. And it, 
it matters to just try and fail and try again, right? Because you have older kids, um, I'm really curious of just what you've seen in the difference of your kids. You you told a couple of stories about just how you spend time with them and, and show them that they are so important to you. Yeah. And a huge part of that is just not having your phone in the picture, right? But what have you seen um, in differences with your kids as you've made the shift? And have you seen a difference in how they view phones, anything like that? Yes. Um, I, in some ways, I feel like we've cursed them because they're hyper aware of, you know, they go to a restaurant and see somebody, see somebody on their phone, a whole family, and they'll nudge me and they look at that. And it's, it's, um, so in a way they're cursed because they're hyper aware of it. Um, but I do know, I, I have this really strong belief that when my kids, you know, in, you know, in a few years for my son or my daughter's 13. So maybe in 30 years when she starts dating, um, we can, uh, when, you know, for her, when she's across the table from somebody, I do believe they're going to hold a higher standard for themselves. I do believe that if somebody that they're on a date with, for example, will be on their phone throughout dinner, I, my guess is that both of them will be like, nah, that's not a good fit for me. Cause they're just not used to it. That that's abnormal for them. And so the, the benefit that, I've had and the benefit that the people with kids who don't have phones yet have is that we were able to initiate good behavior um, rather than try to change bad behavior. So when they got phones, they very much understood this is where it's home is. When you're not using it, this is where it lives. It lives in aura when you're at home. So, and by the way, we begin all of our, everything right now begins at the home. We, you know, we'll, we'll eventually have a, a mobile solution, but it begins at home. That's where we want to begin that, you know, just like everything else, let's start teaching good things at home. So that's where it starts. So I, we've been, we've been lucky because they started using RO. They saw us use it before they had phones and then they have used RO, um, when, since they had phones. So they, they understand that good behavior. And I've noticed maybe one of my favorite stories is when Gianna, when my daughter was 10, <clears throat> we were watching a movie and she turned to me at the end of the movie, totally unprompted and said, daddy, did you know that's the first time we've watched a movie and you've not had your phone? Yeah. That, that, I mean, Desiree, that's back to, back to Harrison noticing when I was on my phone, I was shocked to see that they noticed when I was off my phone, she noticed that I was totally there. It's almost embarrassing to thought, you know, to, to think back to prior to that, that I would actually be watching a movie with her and checking my phone. What freaking message does that communicate? So that's, mm -hmm. that's, it's almost embarrassing to think that. So, so they've noticed our behavior. It would be very weird for anybody to have a, a phone at the table in, in our family. So that would be very bizarre with them. And they, and, and my kids, by the way, are, normal kids. I mean, they're, they're normal, you know, funny kids who get in trouble and make bad, you know, make bad decisions just like all kids. Um, we don't, you know, we don't, they don't have Instagram. They don't have TikTok. They, um, they don't have Safari on their phones. I, I think that if, if <laughs> have being a former 15 year old boy, if I would have had unfettered access to the internet, that would have been very bad, um, at 15 mm -hmm. years old. So they have, um, they've benefited from that. We have noticed, this is obvious, we've noticed that the younger you can model this behavior for kids, the the easier it's going to be when they get that. When someone comes to us at 17, 18 years old and says, oh, my son's hooked on his phone, what do I do? 
our advice generally is just like have very small goals. Just you need to have very small goals. Try five minutes a day. Try to try to do that. You're a lot. They're a lot farther along. They've they've instilled a lot of bad habits. So that's that can be a bit of a challenge. But the cool thing is the people who love RO most are kids who don't have phones because they're getting mom and dad's attention. So one of one of our members in California told tells us they have a task list for their kids every night and their kids are five, six years old. So they have a task list and it's wash your face, brush your teeth, put mommy and daddy's phone in RO. So they will go, the kids will physically go take their, their parents' phones and put it in the RO box. So that does a couple things. One, it it does communicate a message that the child is more important than the phone. But two, it's, it initiates a muscle memory in that child from a young age. It shows them that this is what you do with your phone. You don't always have it with you. You put it away. So by the child doing that, it's a really powerful message that you're sending that child and you're setting them up for success. So I would say that the, I would say that I'm obviously incredibly biased here, but I do think that the best way to set your kids up for success in 2023 right now is to model good behavior with your phone and bring them into it. We hear story after story after we, we heard a story from a woman by the name of Shelby in Kansas. She emailed and said she'd put her 11 month old to bed. And then she came out and she was looking everywhere around the house for her phone. So she asked her seven year old, she said, have you seen mommy's phone? And she said, yeah, I put it in that box thingy. And she goes, oh, why did you put in that box thingy? She said, well, because you play with me more when your phone's in that box thingy. So the young age, the amazing things that can happen. And then this is not to say at all, whenever your kids have phones, it's a bad time to initiate this behavior. But again, those goals become smaller and smaller and smaller. It's you're finding the little spaces, the five minutes at a time that maybe expanded up to 15 minutes and maybe it goes to a family dinner but when you can start this early, it will absolutely set your kids up for major success and make your life a heck of a lot easier when they do get phones. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. There are times in our life when we know what's good for us, but sometimes our brain gets in the way. There have been times in my life where I know I need to put down my phone and go to sleep, but I end up kind of scrolling and letting my anxiety take the lead looking up things that make me anxious. During the pandemic, I struggled a lot with anxiety and it was a time where that habit that I just described to you was prevalent in my life. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back so that you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. BetterHelp was a way that I was able to utilize therapy during the pandemic like I described, and it really helped me find coping strategies that were actually helpful. There are so many reasons that I would say pretty much all of us could benefit from therapy in some form or another. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com minimalist today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash minimalish. 
I see it for sure with my five-year-old that I can see that she notices whenever, you know, when we're on our phones. And I read research the other day that said babies and toddlers are more irritable with parents who are on their screens more. Really? And I'll have to find where I saw that. Um, please that say, please send that to me. Finding that. And it's funny because after I read that the other day, I, I have a one-year-old as well. And I was nursing her and sure enough, I had my phone near me and I realized that she was you know, fussing and mm. she's a pretty easy baby. I mean, babies fuss. Yeah, of course, but she's a pretty easy one. And, and it just kind of dawned on me that, you know, she is, she wants to get my attention. And yeah. if I'm, I obviously I do give her my attention and, and I just realized like in that moment, I'm, mm. I'm not giving her that eye contact and attention and she wants it. And it makes sense that even a baby and even a toddler can see that pattern yeah. and, and notice it and realize whenever they're not getting the eye contact and, and yeah, the they need it. I mean, they, they crave it. They need it. We all know this. And again, we, I feel sometimes I feel uncomfortable saying some of this when it comes to like child development, especially talking to moms, moms are doing so much. Moms are, moms are, moms are the, 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 the heroes of the world. So it's, it's easy for me to say, Hey, you should, you should make eye contact when you're, you know, when you're nursing your baby. Look, the, the, the point is you're surviving, you're doing everything you can to get by. And so if you can find, if you can find a couple minutes, if you found a couple minutes, celebrate yourself, celebrate what you've just done and alleviate that guilt. If you've just had one heck of a day and you need to, you know what, I need to, to veg out and disconnect for a minute. Don't beat yourself up for that. Go ahead and do that. It's good to be cognizant of it and then do whatever you're doing with intention. Just, just decide, pre-decide that that's what you're going to do and do that. But I, I bet if you start looking through that lens and like you said, stop feeling, don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel guilty if you don't do something, but celebrate when you do something that you like celebrate something when you, when you do something like the person you want to be would do just celebrate that even if it's two or three minutes or five minutes. And I bet you, you're going to start seeing a snowball effect from doing that. Um, but again, I think, I think one of the key things is we've, we've the, the message around phones has been screen time is bad and screen. And so then we start feeling this guilt over it. Now I don't think there's a place for guilt here. I just think there's a place for hope. I think there's a place for, for real um, celebration when we, when we take a step in the right direction. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, is just that like, as, as a mom, I know that it's okay to take time to, (laughs) to check out and to take a breather. And we need that. And sometimes we need like space from our kids. But at the same time, (laughs) when I do that by picking up my phone, I would say 99% of the time, that's not really giving Mm. me the refresher that I need, you know? So it's not that social media can't be a good place. It's Mm -hmm. just that it's so, it's, overstimulating it's overwhelming and for a lot of people so i think that's something to think about too is like releasing the guilt from it but also realizing that when you are picking up your phone Mm. what are you looking for and are you actually getting it from from your phone that's such a good point it really is true and it's almost like you know one of the some of the guidance we've given our kids in terms of friendships is and this is hard to do for adults much less children but paying real close attention to how you feel about yourself when you're around that person. And how do I feel? Does that person make me feel, do I feel good about myself and and free to be who I am? Or do I start feeling like I'm trying to act like somebody different? Or do I feel a little bit down about myself and following that similarly, whenever you, you know, doing something, whether it's reading on a Kindle or, um, or, you know, scrolling through Instagram, 
take a moment without a screen to just have a quick reflection on your energy level and how you feel about yourself. And that'll, that'll, I think if we start getting into that practice, it's just a little bit of a mindfulness practice, then I think that we'll start doing things a little bit differently or just, and it begins with that, but you can't do it without the recognition. RO, the term itself means to notice, to turn towards, to take heed. And I think we've lost this ability at times to notice. And that's what I want to get back to. I want to be able to notice when my wife's sending a subtle bid for emotional connection. I want to notice when maybe something's out off about my daughter, Gianna, and maybe she needs to talk about it. I want to notice when I'm feeling a little bit at dis-ease, when something's feeling off, so I can then go explore that feeling. And that's our goal. And I don't think we can do that when we're staring at a screen. I know I can't. I'm not good enough to do that when I'm staring at a screen. It takes those small moments. It takes the quiet moments. It takes some stillness for us to be able to do that. Yeah, so good. Well, one thing I wanted to ask as we're talking about being off of our phones and and putting our, you know, not having our phones on us all day, having a place where our phone lives, what kind of habits do you value personally when it comes to how you do use your phone? Um, because I know, you know, you with RO, I'm not sure if you specifically are part of the content creation online, but that's part of yeah. work. And a lot of people's work today is creating content for social media and, and doing things online. And of course, we can do that all from our phones. And sometimes it's easier, like it's really hard or maybe impossible to make an Instagram post from the computer, right? <laughs> right. So I don't know. <laughs> I haven't tried it. But um, so sometimes it's almost like this is the only place I can use for part of my work. So I would just love to hear what it what that looks like for you when you do use your phone? Do you have like certain times of the day or what does that look like? I, I generally try to have my phone in aura when I don't need it. And so I know that the, maybe that's a little bit obvious. And so for example, right now is a great example. I'm racking up time. I mean, I'm at the office. We have an aura box at the office as you could imagine. Um, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm racking up time right now and it's going to be tagged with working right after I take my phone out of the box. Um, so that, that's my general rule of thumb is that I want, and, and frankly, I've gotten into a point, it's actually a very relieving feeling when I walk in the house to put it down and just be like, oh, external voices, just be quiet for a minute. You know, you, you were all inundated with that all day long. And so, um, so certainly family time, that's what, that's probably my biggest. So my, the, the times I use RO the most, I'll answer the opposite. Then I'll go back to the, the question. The times I use RO the most is my morning devotions. Um, I use RO when I'm, a lot of times when I'm working, unless obviously if I'm on a call or something like that, and then I'll use RO at family time, at dinner time. The most common time that we, as, as um, the RO community uses it is six to nine o'clock. That's mornings and evenings. That's the biggest time. But we need our phones for work. We, we need our phones for work. When I'm on the drive-in every morning, I call my brother. My brother and I talk basically every morning, so we use our phones for that. Um, random text throughout the day. I send a, you know, a string of voice memos to friends last night, just let them know I was thinking about them. Um, and then I'll, you know, check out, I, I don't have, I do have Twitter and Instagram on my computer, not on my phone, because I know that would be the thing that I would not like any social media, including LinkedIn. So Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, I would, I don't have my phone very purposely because that's what I would revert to. Um, so I, my, my phone, I, I think I use it. I'm about, and this is maybe high. I'm about three hours a day on my phone. Uh, my screen time report says so that some of that could be ways and stuff like that, but it's, I, I think I'm down. I think I'm at a point where I feel pretty good about 
the way I'm using my phone, the time I'm using my phone. Um, and one other, this is just an, an, an admission. Unless I have, I would say when I have my phone, is this true? When I have my phone, I don't know that I'm that disciplined. I don't think I am. Because, and this goes back to the principle of RO, is that environment eats willpower's lunch every day. Environment is so much stronger than willpower. So if I have my phone with me and I'm relying on myself to not look at it, I'm probably going to fail pretty quickly. So I actually need that environment for myself. That's why, again, when I'm in the car, I put it in, I put it in the glove box so that I'm not distracted by it when I'm with my kids. So I, I require that environment a lot. But when I have my phone, I'm, I'm really not that disciplined with it. Um, which is why I know I recognize the need for myself. And that makes sense. It lines up with habits, with habit formation. James Clear says that uh, most people think they're lazy, but they really just lack a system. So that that's the goal for myself is just find environments where I can create the environment that aligns with the intentions I have for myself. Yeah, I don't know if and I think your question. It does. Yeah. And I mean, that simplifies it, really. It's just yeah. you're not trying to make your phone this, I don't know, perfect environment itself where it can be near you all the time and you can somehow have the willpower to yeah. to be better about it. It's a system where it's away. So it's more so out of sight, out of mind. And yeah. you don't have to go through all those hard loops that right. fight against the de- app developers. <laughs> they like probably say, have more power. <laughs> they're, they're really good at what they do. They really yeah. are. They're very good at what they do. And we like to say out of sight, peace of mind. That that's uh, mm-hmm. That's how we feel when it's out of sight. We feel a good peace of mind. Yeah, I love it. Uh, obviously, we've gone through lots of stories, lots of encouragement, and I I feel inspired. I already have an RO, and I just feel inspired <laughs> to use it more. So I'm really glad I got to have this conversation with you. But do you have any just last encouragements to the person who feels all those ways that you've described, maybe guilty, or yeah. even listening to this conversation, even though we started it with saying like guilt isn't the answer, yeah. um, maybe just is still feeling that. And because they, they feel they're truly addicted to their phone, they've maybe tried and failed multiple times. Yeah. I, I have two, two messages um, to close. The, the first one is a real encouragement. And that is anybody listening, you are not addicted to your phone. It's a little bit of a hot take. We we throw away, we we use the term addiction. I use the term addiction about stuff, but you are not addicted to your phone, and that's scientific. This does not follow for for ninety nine percent of us statistically. the uh, The way we use phones is not consistent with a pattern of addiction. So what it is consistent with is a pattern of habit. So, the reason I make that distinction, and I think it's really really important, because when you when you're addicted to something, you do two things. First thing is you 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 admit your total powerlessness over the thing, and I believe that we don't have to do that. I believe we actually do have a lot of agency over this. I believe that we are the ones in control of it, and it's almost like when you say, "Well, I'm addicted to it," it's almost like, "Well, there's nothing I can do about it." So I want everybody to understand: don't identify yourself anymore as addicted to your phone. Say that maybe you're in a set of bad habits. When you say that, that's something that you can improve. So that that's one. Feel encouraged that you're not actually addicted or too far gone. The second thing when someone is addicted is they abstain from it. They totally abstain from it. We're not asking you to abstain from your phone. We're not asking you to totally get rid of it. It's not, you know, if someone is addicted to, you know, cocaine, they're not just going to have, a, you know, a little bit of cocaine every Thursday. They're going to get rid of that thing. They're going to be totally done with it. You're not going to go hang out at bars if you're an alcoholic. So, 
So that's that's the first thing. And that goes back to this entire message of feeling encouraged and knowing that that you have control in the matter, that you have agency and knowing that there's hope here. And this is this is I'll say it again. This is the most hopeful opportunity any of us have as parents, as partners, as um, as individuals. This is the most hopeful thing. And you can do it today. And I'll repeat what I said earlier. I want everybody today, tonight, if you're with somebody else, I want you to take, if you go out on a date night, hand your phone to your partner and say, will you hold this for the meal? I want to be fully present with you. Make a production out of it. Be, because what you're doing is you are being vulnerable. Be vulnerable with them and look in their eyes and say, you're much more important than my phone. I want to be fully present with you. You will absolutely change the atmosphere of what, wherever you are. So that's one. The second thing I, I want to talk directly to, to husbands. I want to, I wanted to, so if, if, if uh, women are listening, I do, I would love for you to have your husband listen to this portion. What I'm about to say is that our wives are begging for connection. Our wives are begging for intimacy. And the greatest thing that you could do for your marriage is to respond to that cue and even better initiate that with them. Initiate that. Don't ask them to put their phone down either. Just do it yourself and do it every day for a week or a month and then a year and just keep doing it. They just initiate that behavior. You will take you will take a position as somebody that your wife respects more and more because you're prioritizing her. We get every now and then we'll get a return. And most of the time, it's a wife returning it saying, because she couldn't get her husband on board. Fellas, we got to do better. So let's do better. This is so important for yourself, for your fit. And it's going to benefit you too. There are studies, and I think I can, this is PG-13, but I think I can say it. There are studies coming out now that are that says less screen time in marriages equals more sex. So there's there's a, in which which said, like I'm saying that for the, you know, the headline for the, the guys to listen, but really what it is, is that's more intimacy. That's more connection. And who doesn't want that? But a lot of times we don't want to do the things in the meantime that get us to that point. So fellas, this is critical for yourself. This is critical for your marriage. This is critical for your families. And it is well worth the effort to do it. So do it today. It's low hanging fruit. It has the highest amount of impact. So it is something that's accessible to all of us. Well, that's all such good encouragement. And I think the overarching thing is, Again, you know, relationships are more important to all of us. I think we would all say that. And so this is, like you said, a a simple thing. It's hard, but it's simple that can make a huge difference. Absolutely. Um, So two things I want to ask you, because I ask every guest before we end our conversation. The first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now? Yeah, I am. I am really, really, really trying to simplify my focus times, and then, and, and, and it's going to sound very obvious. This is not a physical thing, but um, this whole I've been thinking about the topic of distractions a lot lately. Near Iall uh, has written the book Hooked and Indistractable, and Near talks about the opposite of distraction is traction, not focus. So the opposite of distraction is traction. He defines. He defines traction as doing something that you've pre-planned in advance to do and distractions are doing something that you have not pre-planned in advance to do. So right after this, right after this call, I'm going to record videos to people who've just joined RO. And if I go on Twitter, no, let's, let's say I, if I check email, that email, 
though it's a good thing is a distraction from the thing I intended to do. So I'm really trying to simplify those moments of, of focus and just clear out the distractions. I know everybody's trying to do that, but that with that, something about that framework, the way near describes it really makes sense to me is just do the things you plan in advance to do. And again, if I plan in advance to go scroll Instagram, I plan in advance. That's actually traction towards, towards the thing I wanted to do. But if that comes at the expense of dinner time, if I want to have a focused dinner, then that's, that becomes a, a distraction in, in, in total. So that's, that's the thing I'm trying to simplify right now is my, is my focus times. Yeah. Something that I've been doing is planning more. <laughs> planning doesn't come naturally to me, but I can, I can fully relate to that. If I do the thing that I plan to do, it's more rewarding, first of all, and I'm, I'm more focused on it. Um, yeah. Speaking of distractions, if you see the light changes, my five-year-old <laughs> came in here and she's messing with my light. Can you please stop doing that? <laughs> <laughs> that that's um, her literally flashing a light mom pay yeah, attention to me. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm being blinded. Okay. Last question I have for you is uh, what's something that you're loving right now? Well, one thing I'm loving is your five-year-old daughter flashing your light at you. And, <laughs> um, and then the, the second one I am loving, I've, I'm loving um, doing uh, French lessons on Duolingo. And I'm loving doing that. They make it very simple. They, they say five minutes a day. I'm, you know, I'm trying to do 20 minutes a day. It's something I, it's by quite literally something very foreign to me is the French language. But I've said, you know what? it's time I learned, learned a second language. We were just up in Canada and everybody speaks multiple languages there. So I, I got to speak another language. So I'm, I'm loving that. They make it very easy and approachable. So I've, I've, I'm loving doing that right now. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the show and for sharing everything that you did. Like I said, I feel so encouraged coming away from this conversation. So. I'm so grateful we got to have it. So um, thanks so much again for being here. Thanks, Desiree. Appreciate you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I encourage you to just take one action step today, whether that's setting up a screen time boundary or grabbing an RO if it sounds like it would help you and your family or writing down a deep why that will help you actually follow through with being on your phone less. And I do have two other episodes where I gave some tips on just ways to stay off our phones more. So I will link those in the show notes as well if you want more of this topic. That is all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, would you share it with a friend? Share it on social media. Tag me. Let me know how you were listening or where you were when you were listening. I always love seeing that. I am always grateful for you. I'm so glad you're here. And I will talk to you right back here again on the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.